We begin a Purim Aimer. This is from Tavshich of Beis, as you can see. Seifa Maimarim Tavshich of Beis. This Maimer is a Purim Aimer, but uh, it's a Maimer all about the union of Amalek, which is uh, connected, of course, to Purim. This upcoming Shabbos is Shabbos Zacher. The Kriya Satayra of Purim itself is the Kriya of Parshas B'Shalach. Yeah. Okay, let's go. The Kriya of also about Amalek and Shmuel, the story with Hagog. Yeah, and Shola Melech. So Moshe Rabbeinu tells Yeshua, choose men, and go out to fight with Amalek. And the Pesach concludes, and the says, the places his hand on his holy throne. Rashi there says that this is a sign of a, that Ebeshter is swearing. And what's the Shvua that Ebeshter makes? Ebeshter says he will fight Amalek from one generation to the next, which basically means until Mashiach comes. And uh, the Chazal tell us, and Rashi brings it on the Pasuk as well, Ebeshter's name is not complete. As you see here in this Pasuk, it's written Ko, only half of Hashem's name. Not Yudke and Vavke, but only the first half. And also, Kaviyachal, Abish's throne is also incomplete because it says here, Kase, Chaser Aleph. It's usually spelled Kise with an Aleph, and here it's missing the last letter. Until the descendants of Amalek are wiped out. So the question here is, What's the connection here of the Abish's throne and the Abish's holy name? Mm-hmm. That not until you can wipe out any descendants of Amalek, it's impossible for Hashem's name or Hashem's throne to be complete. Okay, so as we'll see the husband of the Maimer, look, it's, it's understood that because Amalek <coughs> represents an opposition to the Abish there, so as long as Amalek is in the world, so there's a rebellion. There's a rebellion in someone that's fighting against Hashem. But Chazal and the Pasik here specifically speak about Hashem's name, and specifically the name Yudke Vavke, that that name is incomplete, and also the throne. What's the specific connection to these two details, the Abish's name and the Abish's throne? So this is understood by first understanding what Amalek is all about in general. <coughs> so the Pasik says... Remember what Amalek has done to you on your way when you came out of Mitzrayim. And so too in the Avtaira, this is the Kriya of this week, this, this shop is Zohar. And then in the Avtaira as well, it says, Hashem says, I remember, what Amalek has done to the Yidin. What he placed to the Yidin on their way coming out of Mitzrayim. So what do you see in both of these Psukim here? Vahainu. Shakos of Madgish, in both of these Psukim, the Pasuk emphasizes, Sheinyan Mulchemis Amalek, Kosher Mimitzrayim. That the Muhammad that happened with Amalek is connected to the fact that it was after Yidin came out of Mitzrayim. When the Pasuk mentions Baderach Batezchem Mitzrayim or Baderach Alaysim Mitzrayim, there's no reason for the Pasuk to mention that. It's why does it have to say exactly at, at what time period in history it was? The, the mitzvah is to remember that Amalek came to fight with Eden, whether it was right after they came out of Mitzrayim, whether it was a later, later period in history, it doesn't really matter. But in, in both places, 
the Pasuk makes the point to say that it took place when the Yidin came out of Mitzrayim. So the question is, what is the connection of these two points? So it seems like the Pasuk is saying, you know why there's a mitzvah. To remember every generation or every year, the mitzvah of saying the of hearing the Kriya of Pasha Zacher, every Shabbos, Zacher, is why is it so important what Amalek did? Because Amalek came and attacked Eden when they came out of Mitzrayim. So it's sort of mashma, if Amalek would have came in any other time period in history, it wouldn't be so gefarlich. The fact that Amalek came, punk now when Eden came out of Mitzrayim, oh, that's why it's mamish terrible, and this is something that we have to remember every generation. So to explain what this is all about, so first we need to explain the union of the Eden coming out of Mitzrayim and exactly how it happened. And you know, so regarding Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim itself, what does it say in the Pasuk? Nebuchadnezzar says, I will take you out of the Oini. Oini means the infliction or the slavery, or also it means actually the poverty that you didn't experience in Mitzrayim. And where are you going to be taken? To El Eretz, Zovas Cholavudvash. To a land of milk and honey. Because of them move on. So from what the Pasuk here says, the Abishta promises that he takes them out of Oini Mitzrayim and brings them to a land of Zovas Cholavudvash. So it's understood, Shinyin Ayitzi Mitzrayim, who the Oini Mitzrayim. It's not only the fact that Debisha takes Yidin out of the physical land of Mitzrayim and brings them to the physical place of Eretz Yisrael, but it's a matzah, it's a condition. When Yidin were in Mitzrayim, they were experiencing Oini, whatever that Oini re- refers to. Oini simply means poverty. And, and then the Pasuk continues and says, Even after Yidin leave Mitzrayim, it doesn't necessarily mean that they left the poverty of Mitzrayim. Even after they leave the physical place, they're still in the experience and in the matzav of Oini Mitzrayim. Why? Because the Pasuk says, I'm going to bring you to a land of milk and honey. So it seems like not until they arrived to Eretz Zavaz Cholavudvash did they really leave the Oini Mitzrayim. The purpose is to go to come to the land of milk and honey. That, that's when the Eden are rich. That's when the Eden fully leave the poverty. But until that point, even when they're out of Mitzrayim, but the Oini Mitzrayim, the Matzav of Oini Mitzrayim is still there. Right, so that's why it says that the Shleimus of Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim is there's and then only once even come into Eretz Yisrael. Okay, so in other words, the point that Eb is trying to say is, going back to what it says before, regarding Amalek, that Amalek attacks Yidin, it really means that at that point in time, Yidin weren't yet fully out of Mitzrayim. They were physically out of Mitzrayim, but they were still in a matzav of Oini Mitzrayim. And Amalek saw this weakness of Klai Yisrael. Amalek saw, oh, these people became free people, and they able to redeem them from Mitzrayim, but he saw that they're still weak. And he took advantage of their weakness to attack them. That's basically what happened there. So, to explain this oini, this poverty, this, this, the fact that even are poor, even after they come out of Mitzrayim, so the poverty is, as Chazal tells us, 
The true source of poverty is not regarding the financial situation of a person, but it's in the person's das, in your awareness, in your understanding. And the same is also richness is also, in a per- all, it's all in the mind. If a person is rich and he's open and expansive in his mind, so then he's rich. And if he's onibedas in his mind, he's very poor in his understanding and his connection to the Ebishter, so that's Ani. So Vahaino, what this means is as follows. Here the Rebbe explains this in to connection to the Ebishter, but Bechlal you see by a person that you have a person that's very rich, but in his mind he's very restricted and he's very, very sad and depressed and whatever. So what, what does he have from all his money? Garnished. And on the, on the other hand, you have a person that's very poor, but in his mind, he's great, he's happy, he's, he feels, you know, let's see, the Rebbe explains. I know what this means is, the kaiches, the inner kaiches of a person. That's what really identifies a person. The external kaiches, whether it's machshave, dibur, or maise, those are levushim. That, that's not who the person really is, the personality. Your, your understanding and your feelings. The the intellect and the emotions of a person. So yes, one person is very rich. He's rich in his meichen, rich in his midas. What does that mean? When a person is in a very good mood and he's happy and he's beisrachvus, he's expansive. Srachvus, espashtus. to translate both of these words, but the point is. The Rebbe here is not referring to a person. In other times, it says that the concept of richness in Meichen and Midas is someone that's poshut very smart. Oh, so he's rich. The Ebrister gave him rich kaiches in his in his intellect. Someone that has very powerful emotions, a very passionate person. So he's rich in his in his Midas. Then, on the contrast, you have other people. He's very a very dull person, a very shallow person. He's not too smart. He's not too passionate about life. It's just he lives life on a very, very low flame. So he's very poor. But here they're ever saying a different point. You have a person that's very, very smart, and they're very, very passionate, but if he's not in a good mood, if things if he's just down and depressed, so then whatever seichel he has, whatever middles he has, are not are not flowing. It's not active. There's no expansiveness. That's poor. But a person that has Whatever moyach and whatever midis the Ebishter gave him, it's beisrachvus beispashtus. He's in a good mood. He's happy. He's content. He's satisfied. He knows what he wants. So there's a certain expansiveness in everything he's doing. And then you have the opposite condition. When a person's kaiches is his moichin and his midis are poor, which is shuiyin Even if he's he's very smart. And he's a very, he, has, he has very powerful middas, but for whatever reason he's in a bad mood. So then his, his, he can't think straight and he, can't, he doesn't feel. He's, everything is with simsum and katna, is very, very restrained and, and small. You can see this very simply. When an individual is in a mood, in a condition of expansive and happy and content. So when he has to use his meichen to, to figure out things and to, to be, be creative and think and so on. So it's 
I'll be able to think, comprehend, and understand much. It, things will just flow much easier. I'll understand things on a deeper level than usual. And will come to the right and proper conclusion more than usual. If a person is in the right and a good place and he's happy with himself, it's not just two separate things. My mayach is my mayach and my mood is my mood. It doesn't work that way. If a person is be'emes in a good mood and he's content, his inner kaiches, starting with his seichel, will push it flow and work better, deeper, and so on. Same is also regarding a person's emotions. If a person is in a good place in his life and he's happy with himself, so then the midas of the person will also be expansive and flow and revealed and expressed. I know that I've had there another point regarding the midas. So there are two different concepts of the emotions of a person. There are the emotions that come from Meichen. Whatever a person understands, if you really properly appreciate and are convinced about something in your Mayach, eventually that conviction trickles down into your heart. It creates a certain attraction and feeling for what you appreciate in your mind. That's one concept of Midas. If a person's mayach is expanding and is flowing and he understands something properly and fully, as I nimshach gamba midas baifin kazeh, so that ex- that's expressed and that comes down, that affects his emotions as well. That he should be connected and have a feeling for what he appreciates and understands in his mayach. But then there's another inyan of midas. You have midas that the source of these midas does not come from a person's understanding from a person's understanding in a seichel. It comes from a rotzen. The rotzen of a person is deeper than meichen. A person has a certain taiva, a certain desire for something. A rotzen. That's not based on any specific uh, moyach or any in- intellect. And then from the rotzen, it, 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 that develops a, a feeling and a strong uh, desire for something and it creates emotions. Shizawa mitis amidis. This is really the source of midis that surpasses meichen. The midis that come from meichen is just an outgrowth, it's a birth of meichen. So it's not genuinely a midah, a desire, a passion for itself. The emes hashayrish of midas surpasses meichen. It's, it comes from the rotzen of a person. Right, so therefore these kinds of midas are not necessarily dependent on the meichen of a person. Right, or really going back to the point that the Rebbe said before, we're speaking about the matzev of the kaiches pnimium of a person. And the kaiches pnimium of a person consists of moichen and midis. And, and they're dependent on one another. If a person is in, a, in a, an expansive mood, he's content about himself, so his moichen is expansive. And as a result, his midis are expansive. But here the Rebbe is making the point that the truth is, midis of a person is not necessarily dependent on the moichen. It's not necessarily dependent on the kaiches pnimium of the person. The midis is connected to rotzen, which is higher than that. But the truth is, So one point here is, Even if it's true that ultimately the emotions of a person come from a place that's higher than Meichen, it's connected to the person's Ratzen, but nevertheless, in order to reveal and to bring out a person's Midis, it goes through Meichen. Meichen very much influences a person's Midis. Even if it's true that the source of the Midis are your Ratzen, but if, the, if your meichen, if your intellect, if your understanding is not there at all, those midas will not be developed. The meichen develops the person's midas. 
The person's meichen, the person has in his heart certain certain ritzayne, certain desires. And it's, it's sometimes those desires that a person has are not very specific, they're not very developed, they're not very defined. But then the meichen comes and takes your taivis and directs it and guides it. Those taivis that a person has, where should you put it into? So the, 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 the meichen guides the midis. In, in what Indian his Ratzin should be expressed in. So therefore, ultimately it comes out that Meichin and Midis are always connected to one another. Even though Midis have their Shairish that's above Meichin, but nevertheless the Meichin very strongly affects and designs and defines wh- what the Midis should be involved in. So therefore, So the point that was said before remains true that if a person feels a clarity and an expansiveness in his mind, so then that will affect your, your midas as well. And another point here is, The whole point that we're speaking about over here, that when a person is in a hisrachfos, when a person is content and happy, that this helps you think and understand better, and, and it also develops your emotions more, the truth is it goes even further. The kayacharatzen of a person also changes. You see, some people are, are very determined, and they're very—they have this kayacharatzen, and they're ready to do things without a, whatever comes in their way. They're ready to push through. And some people, their kayacharatzen is 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 very weak. What's really the difference? Every person has within him inside of him that kayacharatzen. Elamai. If a person has a high morale, so that kayacharatzen will be there very strongly. If a person is demoralized about something, let's say chas v'shalom, a person has a certain failure in life, and he says to himself, look, see, I, so I can't do this, it's impossible, I'm a failure. So what happens? So his kayacharatz and gets demoralized. A person that sees a success, a person that he could be megala as kayacharatz, and a person that's content and sees his success, so adarabah, the kayacharatz comes out. So you could see that this is rachvos, that a person feels very much affects the kayacharatz that a person possesses, to what extent it'll be uh, revealed. So therefore, through revealing the power of the Kayacharatsan, it also brings an expansiveness in a person's emotions. Even though these midas come from Ratsan, even if you were to say that the Meichen plays no role in this, the midas comes directly from the Ratsan, but the Ratsan itself is also dependent on a person's mood, dependent on a person's feeling of satisfaction or, or, or feeling of, of, of success in order to be able to reveal his Ratzin. Okay, so the point over here is, this is emissa richness. Emissa richness is benigea to the pnimius of the person. What's really going on inside of a person? Is he in a place of israchvos, expansiveness, happiness, which allows a person to flow and to go deep and to, to live life in its fullest? On the other hand, So therefore when it says over here that the Eden were poor, when they were in Mitzrayim, what does this mean? Should be Yaisam Mitzrayim. So when the Eden were in Mitzrayim, the problem was not only the fact that they were in Mitzrayim and that they were slaves and the, the difficult labor, but it got to them. It, it got the best of them. It, it like shut them down. The pnimius of it. That's the problem. So the poverty that they had in their heads, that it got to their head. Because of the very difficult subjugation, the labor and everything that they were experiencing there, as the Pasuk describes, So it's not only the difficult work, but it's also their ruach, their spirit was crushed. 
So therefore, they were poor when the Rebbe says it refers to everything we were talking about before. The Ratzin, the Seichel, the Midis, they were demoralized, they couldn't think clearly, their, their emotions were not, their emotions were blocked and clogged up. It was, there was a real poverty that they were experiencing in Mitzrayim. In more detail, so this, the, the katnas and the tzimtzum, the, the fact that Yidin were, were poor and they were small and restricted in Mitzrayim is This could be divided generally into two aspects of the iris, that the, the, the light that usually shines in a person's life, in the Yidin's experience in Mitzrayim, the light was shut off, and the Hemitzad HaKelim. The level of kalim that a person has to, to receive and to be a keli for certain things, that was all, they weren't a keli. They were not able to listen and to receive, to understand. As the Rebbe will explain it, what he means with these two things of oiris and kalim. Mitzad oiris, when we say here that the oiris that a person usually has in his life, so that was shut off. When you didn't Mitzrayim, in your name, Baruchni is the level of, of, of life, of connecting to the Ebishter, was very poor. As the Pasuk describes, <laughs> that Yidim were naked and completely void of any connection of any mitzvahs. <laughs> so what did Yidim have? No mitzvahs, no limudat no real deep connection at all. But the Yidim did have a muna. As the Pasuk describes, that the Yidin did believe. Right? That was the whole thing, the mistake that Moshe Rabbeinu, so to speak, if you could say, I mean, a mistake, but Moshe Rabbeinu, when, he, when the Ebishtha tells him to go and to take Yidin out of Mitzrayim, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Yidin are not going to believe me. What does the Ebishtha tell Moshe Rabbeinu? No, you're making a mistake. The Amun of the Yidin is not affected. So what's the Chiddush over here? Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, look, look at these Yidin, they're so poor, they have, they're so demoralized, they're so farkvetched and farhaked. How, how are they even, they're not even open to listen to me. But the Ebishtha said to Moshe Rabbeinu, that's the poverty in the Peiches premium of a person, but the essence of the Yidin, the Amuna, that wasn't affected. So the, the Amuna still is there. So L'chayre, when a Yid has, and his, his Aveda is based on Amuna, the Amuna is still intact. What is that? Is that a matzah where a person is poor or a person is rich? L'chayre, Amuna is extremely powerful, right? So it's not a matzah where a person is poor. So the Rebbe explains that there's two sides to Amuna. On one hand, Amuna is the most powerful thing. On the other hand, a person that lives only with a Muna and the rest of him is shut down, that's very poor. Even though Amuna is something that touches you very deeply. It's not only that the Amuna, the source of Amuna itself is in a very high place. As we know what the, where the source of Amuna of a Yid is. Ultimately, Amuna is the foundation of all of the other kaychas of a person. If you don't have that amunah as a foundation, so whatever else you have will, could fall apart. So amunah is an extremely powerful thing. Down to even simple, the, the external part of a person. That's also dependent on amunah. Famous Gemara that says, Chavaka came and took all the Torah and Mitzvahs and he said, it's all standing and it all depends upon one thing. It's all dependent on the Amunah. Amunah is what holds up all of the Tariyag Mitzvahs of a person. That it should remain, it should last. It should be strong and firm. 
you don't have a Muna, so then the rest of the Yid's Aveda can fall apart. So Lechayre, that shows that a Muna is very strong. So what are we describing here? Yidin, when they were in Mitzrayim, so there was Kaitzeruach, Aveda Kosher, they were demoralized, they were but had a Muna. So why is that an Indian of poverty? Adarabe, a Muna is the strongest thing. So the Rebbe answers, is True, the Amun is the foundation, Amun is the essence. But regarding the experience that, that, that is revealed, that you feel, that you live with, If all you have is just the Amunah, If the person's mind, his understanding is shut down, his, he can't think, he can't understand, he can't feel, his, he's demoralized, everything is shut down. The only thing he has is his Amunah. That, that's the, the biggest poverty possible. Very, very powerful words. Just the Muna alone, a person is going to say, it's like a person comes and says, I'm a Jew at heart. I believe, I have, I believe. But anything besides that, no Seichel, no Midas, no Kima Teremitzah, is garnished. That's, you had nothing other than their Muna. So as powerful as a Muna is, but at the same time though, it's the biggest Matzav of, of Anis that you didn't experience in the Mitzrayim. That's the Anis Mitzad Oiris, that he did not have uh, any Ruchniyazig connection other than uh, their Amunah in Mitzrayim. Which one?